Hey, you guys, guess who I'm here with today? My buddy, who I've never met, but I feel like I have, senior producer from The Jenny McCarthy Show, David Itell. Hey, David. Aaron, hello. I feel so proud that I finally have you on my show. I've been meaning to have you forever and ever and ever. And the only reason I have a damn show is because you plucked me out of obscurity to start coming on the Jenny McCarthy show. uh, What, two years ago now? Something like that? Um, Well, this is, I mean, I don't don't know if I can... uh, We'll say this. You were a shining star. And the right opportunity presented itself. <laughs> and, um, and so, yes, I Yeah, that's what we'll say about that. Okay. It all came together. And I feel like you're the family I was missing the whole time. And I just uh, am so glad to know all of you. You, Michelle and Jenny. And Nicole now, too. The newest member who is so into 90 Day Fiance. It just makes me happy all over. You know, you are affecting our lives in the greatest way, and it was just meant to be. And it could very well be that you are half McCarthy or Targaryen, and you belong in our clan. I totally believe that. And speaking of Targaryens, you guys don't groan, but we are talking Game of Thrones because David and I are both nerding out big time in the best way possible about Game of Thrones. We also are mutually obsessed with Star Wars. I'm just outing ourselves right now to everyone. A a large portion of my listeners are watching Game of Thrones. A few of them are speaking up, but I haven't posted a whole lot about it on social media because I really wanted to save it for like one conversation. And now that the entire thing is over, which I still can't believe, I said, I asked David, would you just like have one conversation with me about what the hell happened, what went on, what we think. I mean, we're never going to be able to do this in under 20 hours, but (laughs) let's just like hit the big stuff. So can I ask you, first of all, you are a reader of the books or like a partial reader of the books or what's your history with this? Partial reader. So I read the first one and I started to read read the second one. And then I found it easier because of commuting to work. I thought, oh, I'll listen to the books on tape and that will help me catch up and get to know more. Uh, But then I found myself listening to the same chapter over and over and getting caught in a weird time loop where I would hear the same things repeatedly. So then I just figure I'll just watch the show. Um, so a big fan, like after season one, uh, I kind of dove into it. I didn't get into like online message boards, theories, uh, any of that kind of stuff, just because I wanted the show to unfold without knowing too much about it. And so then when I got to uh, the Red Wedding or Battle of the Bastards, all that stuff was new and exciting. And it wasn't anything that I was anticipating uh, that I was waiting to see happen or how they handled it. So you didn't know anything about the Red Wedding before it came, is what you're saying? No, I had stopped reading the books before it got to that point. Yeah, I did I did not either. I mean, I watched everything totally blindly. I did not read the books. I didn't even know the books existed. I mean, I got into everything retrospectively. It's like I started... The first time we ever saw... So my husband, Bruce, and I saw the ad for Game of Thrones come up, whatever, nine years ago. What is it, like over nine years ago? And we're like, what's that? And he actually thought it said Game of Heronis because like the t- <laughs> the T was like a sword or something. And he's like, what's Game of Heronis? I'm like, I don't know. We're like so such idiots. And then we started watching it and I actually pieced out season two. 
and I like could not handle it anymore. Season two was when they were spending a lot of time at what was that broken down castle, uh, Heron Hall, and like Arya was taking captive, and you know she was with Gendry for the first Gendry whatever for the first time, and I was like I can't handle the torture, blah blah blah. I don't know what was going on. So I didn't even come back to this series until two years ago. And then I binged it all at once. And I actually love doing it that way. And I would encourage anyone who hasn't watched it yet to just go ahead and binge it sometime. Because it's the best way to watch Game of Thrones, I think. Absolutely. And if you watch repeated viewings, I'm, I'm sure at some point... Uh, within the next year, I'll go back and watch the entire series over again with a different perspective now that we know how it ends. And almost look for look for some of those clues and uh, where maybe they might have thrown out some red herrings to mislead us. Um, I was always in into well, once I saw the first episode, I was into it. It's interesting watching the production value of the show because in the beginning, like in the first couple of the first season, it looks like a British BBC show because of the lighting and just the budget that they had. And then you jump to this last season and it just how far gone things have gotten and how outrageous the budgets must be because they have flying dragons and breathing fire and everything's on green screens where it used to be that they would uh, film outside real castles. Right. And they built an entire Winterfell. They built an entire like King's Landing set. I mean, it was insane what they did this season visually. If there was, like they had the Wizarded World of Harry, Harry Potter, if there was a wonderful world of Game of Thrones and there was a real Heron Hall and a real Winterfell and a real King's Landing, would you go visit them? Yes, absolutely. I would be wearing the shirts. I'd dress up in the outfits. I would do it all. I would have no shame about that. I would go in an instant, except for the fact that I would have to, I mean, I would need someone with me because I'm sure it would be overwhelming to, to be there with all of the fans who there's just billions, you know, it's like this has actually brought people together who never thought they would be brought together. This is bringing people together more than sports. I think I, I'm curious based upon the ending, if people will walk back on the, their level of fandom, if people that have gotten um, direwolf tattoos are going to get them covered up because not everybody is happy <laughs> with how which, things wrapped up. Well, just like the freaking Star Wars fans, though. I mean, you, you're one. I'm one. We know how this goes. It's like they turn on you in an instant because they're because they're such big fans. You know, because we're such big fans, we go absolutely crazy. And I mean, my little English major heart loves to to do the critiques and the deep dives and the themes and like the predictions of fictional stories and all of that. I love that but the people who are fans of this feel ownership over it and i don't that's a really good thing and it's also a really bad thing but i don't think it makes them less of a fan even if they hate how it ended uh you think so i might so okay i think that there is to me i see a distinct difference between the way that the last jedi was handled and the last season of game of thrones and I feel like the writers and producers of the last season of Game of Thrones, uh, I didn't feel like they truly disrespected any of the characters. I think that they actually, I might be, I might try to talk you into being a fan of how things ended up. There were a couple of goofy scenes that were poorly written, specifically dialogue wise. Um, but I think overall that brand ended up sitting on the throne um, I think that's a genius move because 
in in the intro in in the opening credits of Game of Thrones, there's these gears, and I always thought that that represented how the kingdom worked and all the things that all the cogs and all the people um, that that work together to create this this empire, this uh, kingdom. And I think in the beginning of see the last season, they kind of got lost on that the, the writers, and I really thought that when they killed off Varys and Littlefinger, that they made a big mistake. And that those were the two most interesting characters of the entire show. And they had the secret war that they were working on because they they wanted to control. They wanted to push their story. They wanted to gain more power. They wanted to work further up that chaos ladder. Um, But I kind of think that this Dark Horse candidate that nobody saw coming, that everybody counted out, comes in and wins it at the end and knows, because Bran is the three-eyed raven, has a, has a bit of a superpower, has an advantage over everybody, knows how everything is going to play out and starts to manipulate everybody so that he can become king. Now, do you think he did manipulate people to become king? Or here's, I guess, here's the here's the bigger question. They don't explore what Bran's power really is in the HBO series as much as they do in the books. And that's a big crit- critique that the book readers, even though I'm not one of them, I listen to a lot of podcasts that they say, it's like, if you're going to let go of the magic element, you need to let go of it. If you're going to embrace it and be like, Bran's so special, you have to explain why. But they did not do that. And so I'm like, Wait, does he control the future? Does he just see it and just stand idly by? When he smirked at the end and was like, why do you think I've come all this way? When they said, will you be king? I was like, what? I'm like, this is like, I thought that was kind of bullshit. Well, the first thing that Bran did successfully in Westeros was end incest. (laughs) (laughs) He did not end it. He just got pushed out a window for seeing it. (laughs) <laughs> by by successfully making sure that Cersei and Jimmy are dead and that John wouldn't sleep with Daenerys again, he, that that is putting an end to incest in Westeros, and that's his first step. And the first, probably the best thing that he did as uh, as acting king or on his way to power. So I have to commend him for that. He's already making a difference in the kingdom. <laughs> He's uh, also creeping people out on the reg. Well, uh, I'm. I, I would suppose as three eye raven, he could warg into other people and have sex with whoever he wants. That's that's an unexplained avenue of his powers. But uh, I think he fooled a lot of people. I think as time goes on and people, the outrage kind of settles, that there might be this embrace of the way that Bran rose to power and claimed it at the end. And whether it was allowing... Um, Hodor and to die. Imagine all the people that died. I know. So all that, of Westeros died so Bran could become king. I mean, he's like, why do you think I've come all this way? It's like, why didn't you do some shit then? Because the whole pl- freaking place was just burned down. Children and everything. Everyone's horrified at what Daenerys did. So that's my question. It's like, if he can manipulate things, then he's kind of an asshole because he's let a lot of terrible things happen. Or cause them to happen? I mean, including Hodor, which is like near and dear to everyone's hearts. I mean, Jojen Reed got stabbed by a zombie, an ice zombie, <laughs> while Bran just sat and watched. I, 
I, I'm not going to put a brand in, in, this, in the category of selfless. And I think that also matters when, when you take a look at Varys and Littlefinger and True. this mystery character that turned out to be the three-eyed raven brand, all very selfish in, the, in these motivations. Um, so I grew at first. I wasn't so happy that Bran ended up as king. Uh, but then as I sat and thought about it, I learned to really appreciate it. And in a show that gave us a lot of surprises and a lot of twists that not everybody saw coming. And, you know, that's a, that's one of the themes about George R. R. Martin. When you really love somebody or you, you get attached to them, they're gone. Right. Uh, so I, I thought that I really did like that as I sat and I thought about it. Uh, instead of, you know, if they gave us the ending that we wanted as viewers, in, everybody applause, but then they would move on. And I, I think that it's going to be a gift, an everlasting gift of the, this controversy. And I agree with you that I wasn't angry that Bran was king. I liked the element of surprise. I thought in no way should Daenerys, you know, have it. In no way should John have it. John's the cowboy. He's the outlaw. He needs to be outside of society. He does not belong on the throne. So I agree with all of that. But I thought them abandoning the whole story that we were invested in for so damn long about John being a Targaryen and the, the love of Lyanna Stark and... You know, what was his name? John's father, the Targaryen. They, that, yes, Aegon Targaryen. Yeah. Was that John's name too? Aegon? They were both named Aegon. Right? Oh, I'm going to, I'm, no. Um, we're we're going to get um, so, people who are really invested are going to be like, you guys don't know. Okay. So just like, guys, forgive us. We're doing our best. <laughs> there's a lot of names. There's okay. There's a lot of names, but they're all named Aegon or Anus. There's somebody Ray named Anus at some point. Uh, Anus Targaryen. Yes. Anus, good old Anus is in there too, if you're a book reader. I've heard of him. I don't think we've heard too much about him on the HBO series for good reason. But anyway, that whole story, I mean, we were so invested in that. And then they sort of just abandoned it at the end. And they're like, Bran's king, John's going up north. And they, I don't like that they didn't give him a choice to go up north. Like, like, or I don't, no, I, let me walk that back. I don't like that John didn't abdicate based on his right to the throne, which is the old Westerosi way to say, well, he is the rightful king. And then for him to pull a master Aemon from way back in the day, remember him at the Night's Watch, and, yeah. and be like, I'm not going to be king. I'm going up north where I belong. And that, that would be a John move where he doesn't want it. And that's a total, it seems like that's what his character has been leading us toward, him rejecting the thing that other people want him to be. But instead they're like, yeah, we're going to send you there because Grey Worm is mad at you. I was like, no, mm -mm, mm -mm. like all of these people could kill Grey Worm. Like, why is he so important at the end that he gets any kind of decision making in this? That was really pitiful. Uh, in the beginning, uh, I was very curious why anybody would agree to send Jon Snow to the wall because there's no need for them anymore. Uh, you know, now all of a sudden there's six kingdoms instead of seven. And then uh, I think at that point who's going to want to be in those six kingdoms? I, I think everybody's going to want to be independent. Uh, I do love Sam trying to introduce democracy, but then... <laughs> and everyone's you know, like, ha, ha, ha. 
Yeah, that that was probably one of the clumsiest scenes that they had ever written, unfortunately. Um, but they shot him down with the idea of democracy. But knowing that Bran probably can't have an heir, they said that they would all meet back there whenever he dies to elect a new leader or figure it out then. Um, also, one of the things that I really did like about the way that they ended it was that Daenerys wanted to end this wheel of power. And Bran keeps it going and almost like you're expecting change you're, you're expecting this great liberator and then surprise somebody gets elected an official and you know they said that they're going to drain the swamp but they don't really drain the swamp they just keep it going so much like any politician a lot of promises and no or very few results no it's true it's true it's just going on and on and i think they set us up for a future installment of something where they had Tyrion say to john like ask me in 10 years if this was a good decision i'm like okay thank you for throwing us a bone because i know we've been promised some spinoffs but like maybe they're going to do something way down the line, like 10 years later. What the hell's going on with everyone? I'm just hoping for that. I mean, I know that's cheesy, but. Uh, I, w- I worry about saturation because imagine if there were there was a Polly Walnuts show after after the Sopranos wrapped. All of a sudden you have like a Polly Walnut show. And then they did like Christopher before the Sopranos. <laughs> and th- there's going to be a Sopranos movie. But, you know, there's been some time. So I do worry about oversaturation. Like, yeah, but um, look at Breaking Bad and then Better Call Saul is a genius. It's awesome. I can only get through about two and a half episodes. Oh, my of, God. Uh, I love it. It's so good. Give it another try. Uh, maybe. Do you, you know what? I'm going to just because you said so it's very good uh, it's very good it's very layered it's it's excellent it's a different take on the, but it's the same vibe and it's the same kind of nobody's good or evil love it yeah you might have to get through the first season you know to really get into it but it's deep okay but yeah, Game of Thrones, I think they could do a prequel. I mean, they're working on a prequel right we're hearing that Naomi Watts is in the long night which they're under code name blood something filming in Belfast right now. I mean, I think that is happening. Yeah. I think at some point they had seven potential spinoff candidates. Oh my and God. Now they're maybe, maybe they're down to three. Uh, and uh, I mean, HBO needs a reason for people to keep the HBO go passwords going. Right. Um, but I, it, I, I do wish uh, I had thought to change my HBO go password before the last episode of game of thrones just to see who would call and reach out and say what happened or your login isn't working (laughs) no shit that's oh my god that is so funny that we should have done that too because like six different people have ours and we're like here you go here you go that would have been a perfect time to cut the pull the plug so okay let's talk about daenerys what do you think of them turning her basically into Mussolini? I mean, complete with the speech on the steps and the full fascist display. I mean, that shot with the dragon wings was awesome and will forever live in infamy. But, I mean, they made her into a monster very quickly this season. Yeah. What do you think I, about I that? That dissension was too quick, especially for somebody who's so bright and sunny. Right. Um but she definitely coveted power. And uh, at the beginning of the series with her brother, Varys, who coveted so much power, and she seemed to be just kind of not as interested in, in hungry for power and wanted love and happiness and comfort. And now 
I, I did think that that dissension was way too fast or they didn't, they didn't give us enough insight. Like when she's sitting down with Sansa and she tries to make friends and smiles in that particular scene, uh, I think it would have been much more insight into her dissension if she sat down with Sansa and Winterfell uh, and got just a little angry to her face instead of the, the smile and, um, and the eyebrows. I think if, if we saw some anger coming out of everything in Winterfell, it would have made a little more sense. Or the way that she handled Sam, if she would have snapped at him harder. Um, right. In, instead of just kind of nodding and frowning, unfortunately, I killed your dad and your brother. Um, I was waiting for that to go somewhere too. that particular storyline uh, as far as him holding some sort of power uh, where it turned out to be Bran was the one that was sharing that information and not Sam. Right. Right. That would have been interesting. There were definitely, you know, a lot of dead ends that could have turned into very interesting stories. Unfortunately, I think uh, it will over time leave us wanting more. Um, And then that's what books are for. Do you think though, the decision to, make these seven and uh, season seven and eight, these short compressed seasons with longer episodes was the reason that we all felt a little bit robbed or the reason we felt like we were reading like the children's book version of the novels we had previously been reading. Or do you think it was just that ending something so complex is hard, no matter how many episodes you have? Uh, I do think that, I mean, lost, Uh, I, I think at least like versus lost, the, the Game of Thrones writers and producers knew where they were going, generally. Um, whereas the people from Lost, uh, <laughs> I think they just kept it going. They and were they lost. Themselves. Yeah. They, yeah, they put themselves on a real bad spot. Agree. I think, I, I think that the Game of, Thrones, uh, Game of Thrones writers and producers kind of had a general idea as to where they were going and tried to fill things out. And just chose maybe some bad filler, like that um, the small council meeting when all Bron wants to talk about is brothels. Right. Uh, I thought that that just didn't fit with the rest of the the rest of the season. It's almost like they went back and they're like, "All right, we have to add or we have to show, um, we have to do these these uh, make good shots uh, or these pickups," and it didn't quite fit i don't be interested if there are fans out there much like in the star wars movies if there are fan edits that come out um and they can paint um some of the characters uh, like daenerys going through uh, her downfall paint that a little bit better through editing someone did do a super cut of daenerys on her dragon when she's making that face like i'm turning into an evil bitch right now and but that's all we got was a face you know when the bells were ringing someone did a super cut and i don't know if it was on twitter or where it is it is out there where they did a flashback with music of everything from the very first scene we saw her with viserys until now and all of the things she's lost and won and been through and it sort of it gave you that that idea of like okay she has been through a nightmare and also like she deserves to pop off but at the same time she didn't need to do that i mean we know that she didn't need to make that decision but it was better than just the stupid face we got like i'm angry i'm gonna you know it just i don't know so a fan has already started i mean fans are so great 
when it comes to being super fans of these major, huge franchises, because they do do stuff like that. I feel like you're right, though. There will be fan fiction. And George R. R. Martin ha- is not, he hasn't written the, the books, the endings. So it's like he's leaving it up to people to do this for him. <laughs> it's a pretty genius move because then if the people don't like it, you can always change it. Uh, no shit. <laughs> when Daenerys is standing outside of two different castles, one at King's Landing and the other one at uh, Karth. So, or no, um, yeah, yeah. So when she's standing outside, when she stood outside of other castles before, she would have a dialogue with those people and try to appeal with them versus when they cut off Nisandra's head, all you got was... Danny clenching her fists and making a five-year-old face of I'm angry. Right. Uh, you know, there was no expression or just how much it hurt outside of an angry stare and some sort of, you know, she gets up on our dragon and just goes. After she's won. <sighs> You're talking about then later at the bells, right? When she's on her dragon. Or, yeah, no, I thought after Missandre got her head cut off, she just gave an angry look and then got gets up on her she, dragon and flies I, away. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. At that moment, yep. And then she goes back to Dragonstone, and then she finds out Varys has betrayed her, which was also really, really rushed and weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, for I really did like Varys versus Littlefinger in their little battle, and I would like to have seen more of that play out so yeah. that they had some sort of... Um, so some sort of face-to-face right before the big moment or some sort of confrontation. I, um, not that they're either one of them is really killers, uh, but that they could have had another scene together and we could have gotten more insight about the level of impact that they've played. Um, because this whole thing, Littlefinger set off into motion. Uh right when he killed John Aaron and then plotted with Lysa. Exactly. Um, to get the Starks involved. Yeah. So, and, and then Varys was secretly working to get Daenerys back in power. And I just would have liked to have seen the two of them have another scene together. Yeah, I know they were the best. I mean, they truly were the best. They were like the espionage arm of the series, which is the best. So what did you think about, the fact that the Starks began this and the Starks ended this. I mean, that ending montage. I thought the first 40 minutes were really strong of the finale. And then we got a little lost along the way when they were like, pause. Now Tyrion has a beard and he's in chains and they're going to decide how to do a new king. It was like really messed up. But then at the end, that montage, I was like, won me over again. I loved how, um, I know this is cheesy, but it's kind of like each of the Starks became their dire wolves. You know, like Sansa became Lady, John became a ghost. Brand became like summer after winter, you know, and then Arya, they showed her sailing off and hers was what, um, what was her wolf's name? It was named after a queen warrior warrior. It was like, um, Nymeria. Nymeria. It was named after a warrior queen. And I was like, oh my God, she's going to go rule some land. She's a warrior. I was like, this is very, I, w- I was like loving that. However, I didn't necessarily like how everyone got there, but that's nitpicky. No, I, I, th- I think what they did was they wrote the ending first and then tried to figure out the backwards math of how did they all get there. Yes. And, uh, so I think that's where some of the, the issues come from. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if George R. R. Martin shared with them, like, Bran becomes king. 
and it's up to you to figure out how to get him there. Because uh, maybe George R. R. Martin hasn't figured that out yet, but now he knows how maybe not to do it. <laughs> He's all, yeah, right. No shit. He's always said the Starks are the most important, and Bran is the most important Stark. I mean, he's he's gone on record saying that, and then he has also said in terms of how he how these books or the story originally came to him, the first scene he ever thought of in his mind were these direwolves and the Starks finding the direwolves, and he, I think, a big criticism of the show and people are like oh CGI whatever I think that's just bullshit I just don't think they wanted to explore this was how they didn't really explore the the really strong bonds and how each Stark was essentially a warg of some kind into their own wolf at least they kind of like touched on that here and there but it was supposed to be a much bigger deal than it ended up being but I I don't know it just I thought that was a missed opportunity because I mean if we love fantasy and I'll just speak for myself. I love that shit. Like, I love that. I would have loved to have seen more of that. Because that's what made them special, too. And we sort of lost that along the way. Uh, so if, if they lost that along the way, what did they incorporate that took that place? What do you mean? I don't know. <laughs> I, thought it's, I thought that sounded smart. Um, <laughs> it does. It confused me. That's how smart it sounded. <laughs> I was like, What? You mean like if they take away the fantasy element, what do they do? Well, they they substitute plot. And they also, I think character was, I think plot was substituted for character development, character development and more of the fantasy elements as we marched through, especially when we marched past the books into just the TV writers doing. And they did a fantastic job in many ways. I don't want to be one of those shitty people out there who are like, these writers suck. No, they do not. You know, I don't think they do. I think they also got tired. I think that this show was probably phenomenally <laughs> draining. And uh, I could imagine that it takes a toll. I agree. On not only them, but their families. I agree. Did you watch the inside the episode things that came after each one? They looked exhausted. They looked like they wanted to die. The, the side by sides from the first interviews that they gave. Versus the last ones. You know, they'll show you a president before and after um, the eight years and how much they age. They look like they age about 30 years in the span of eight years. <laughs> it was like being president like, was like better, easier and better than writing for Game of Thrones for nine years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, didn't think any, I, I didn't think any two people would be able to gain as much criticism as the president at the moment. But I think that we found the two people on earth that are getting more criticism. I know these poor dudes. They've worked so hard to give us something. I mean, oh, my God. I feel I do feel bad that they're getting all this criticism. People aren't really giving them the kudos that they deserve for giving us a a true gift of TV viewing. I mean, it was like we were watching a full length movie every week. Yeah, I think with ultimately the end um, that they gave us what we needed, not what we wanted. And um, it'll be embraced over time. True. Okay, two more questions, and I'm going to let you go because I've kept you far too long already. But thank you, David. Uh, Cersei and Jamie, do you think that ending was appropriate, that their death was anticlimactic or perfect? I don't think it was anticlimactic. I think it was very symbolic. I do, too. Uh, I think the first thing is everybody wanted to see who would kill Cersei. And nobody, I mean, kind of technically, nobody got to kill Cersei. Um, and then what, what did also kill Cersei was this thing that she fought so hard for and, and just overtook her life and meant more to her 
than anybody that she loved. And she always talked about how much her children meant to her, but it didn't mean as much as the power right. of being queen. And, um, and it's what she lost everything for, and it killed her. Um, and then, of course, the her next to Jamie, like they were twins in the womb. Um, and uh, so I, I thought that that was very poetic, and I got into it. I really liked that. I thought it was too. I thought it was like this darkly romantic moment at the end. And yeah, they were together again. And she had said that speech a long time ago about how we were born together. We'll always be together. You know, he came out of the womb holding my foot or whatever it was. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a perfect death. I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, she deserved something way more dramatic. I'm like, that was dramatic in a thematic way, you know. And and she said that nobody took the red keep which I don't know if she's actually technically correct about that, but she said or claimed that nobody had ever stormed the Red Keep. And, you know, the Red Keep was her. Um, right. And that's, where, and that's what killed her. It fell down on her. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay, so what do you think of the Night King's ending and the fact that we never got any real backstory on his motivations, what he really wanted? I mean, are we okay with that? Because the ending... For me, it was so good with Arya, you know, killing him in the end. But did you want more from that? Or, like, where are you with the Night King stuff? Yeah, I, I do think it was a great move that the way that they had the Night King die completely overshadowed. Uh, and, and people were talking more about Arya killing the Night King than what his purpose in the story was. Right. Um, so... I don't know what the purpose other than to bring everybody together um, and put everybody in, in one central spot generally for Daenerys to come north, for Sansa to meet Daenerys. I, I, was that the only reason that the Night King was around was so that those worlds could collide? Um, I guess maybe so. Maybe it was just one giant plot device. <laughs> To, to get everybody in the same room. I know. It, it feels like it has to be something more because, again, these are from uh, these are from books that set up this existential threat to show how people fighting each other is just bullshit because if there's something bigger than them, they need to come together. So I was like, okay, this has to mean something. He has to, you know, like all of us were theorizing, like, is Bran the Night King? Who's the Night King? Who's the original? How does this work? Are we going to find out the backstory? And I'm like, okay, maybe with the Long Night spinoff, that's what they're going to explore, and that's why they didn't here. But that was such an interesting character, and it was a huge miss to me that they didn't even touch on it. Well, he didn't have a lot of dialogue. No, <laughs> he raised his hands really well, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, here's another question <laughs> that... Uh, I don't think that we necessarily know about just yet, but was the Night King going to kill Bran because he was the three-eyed raven, or was he going to kill Bran because he was the future king? Yeah. I mean, at that point, we didn't know how important Bran was. It was only because, you know, he's the three-eyed raven. Um and, and Bran just played everybody, whether it was sitting in a courtyard for two days waiting for Jamie Lannister to pop up or allowing everybody to die on his behalf. <laughs> right, while he sits in the courtyard like, I'm going to go now. 
Yeah, and then at the end, when he comes into the small council, and he's like, yeah, carry on. I'm going to go look for the dragon. I'm like, this is kind of, I don't know. Bran is not. I get it, and I understand your point, and I kind of agree with it, too. Like, he is a perfect choice because he's unexpected, and there's a lot of things at play that put him in that scenario perfectly. But him not really being human anymore, him just being this kind of, like, blank-faced weirdo, does not play well in terms of his importance. I'm just like, I don't I don't know about this because of who he is become. I I think that Bran isn't lovable. He's likable, but he's not lovable. And that's a problem <laughs> with the character though. Right, that's true. Because, because there because he was at the time we thought Jon Snow's brother, Sansa's brother. I think that there's a reason that you root for him because he's a Stark. You know, if you're team Stark generally, um you're you're rooting for the Starks. And so naturally you find yourself rooting for Bran, whatever with this mysterious journey is that he's going north of the wall. He's, you know, lost his ability to walk and he's got this group of weirdos going everywhere with him, this little band of misfits. And so you're rooting for him. But also, I don't think that any of us at the time knew outside of him being a Stark, why we were rooting for Bran. And he was ejected. He was jettisoned out of one season entirely. And I found his story super boring at times. I mean, the fact that Tyrion at the end was like, who has the best story here? Well, of course, it's Bran. I was like, of course, it is not. Like, in terms of interesting. No, it's not. There are other people on this stage right now who have a more interesting story. No, it's not Edmir Tully or freaking Breastfeeder over there. But it is. I don't think it's Bran. How about that glow up? Oh my god! Freaking Robin of the yeah, yeah of the eerie. The I was like, what happened to him? He's like a Backstreet Boy all of a sudden. They put like an outfit. He's like what five years older suddenly. He's yeah. you know he started eating solid foods. Sansa's gonna give him a chance. <laughs> she's gonna, she's giving him a second look. Okay, last question: Did Jon Snow really know nothing? Is he the idiot of the show or? Are we giving him more credit now that we've Man. seen, you know, he's he's outside of society. He's pretty much disgusted with with men in general. And I he's kind of set up to be the new man's raider at the end of this. I think he's going to be, you know, he's going to continue to be that cow, like kind of cowboy character. Or did he just yeah. make terrible decisions the whole time and he's just a huge fuck up? Well, uh, I think he's a very simple person. Right. And then and probably always felt like an outsider because Catelyn treated him very poorly and so probably never felt like he fit in with society. So he's going to go hang out with the goth kids north of the wall. (laughs) Totally. He's going to wear the skins. He's going to wear the outfits. He's going to put the black eyeliner on. Yeah, he's just going to go to a My Chemical Romance show north of the wall (laughs) and he's with his people. (laughs) Oh my God. David, do you want people to follow you on Twitter or Instagram or not? No, no, okay. I have too many. So if they if they could if they do follow me, if anybody <laughs> listening does follow me, please unfollow me. Sounds good, but they should follow Ham Sandwich. Yes, which is a a, a great uh, account from a dead hamster, and it doesn't do enough. It doesn't do enough. We really need more Ham Sandwich. I would like to request that from anyone who's running his account who might be associated with you. We'll see, we'll see about that. Uh, I think a lot of people strive to be social media influencers, and Ham Sandwich is, wants to be a de-influencer. 
All right. Well, thank you. We can catch you on, of course, Jenny McCarthy show every single day of the week. Yes. 10 to noon Eastern Standard Time, Sirius XM Channel 109. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for doing this. Game of Thrones forever. If there's a spinoff, we're watching. Free Luann. Free Luann.